Welcome to Who's Better Baseball, the podcast where we answer a simple question on each show. Who's better at baseball, or in this case, what snack is better? I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. Got Jack McMullen with me eating some, what are they, lemon shortbread Girl Scout cookies? Dude, I have no idea. Happy Girl Scout season, Ryan. Um, I I always get Thin Mints and Tagalongs. Excellent cookie. I decided to expand my my culinary boundaries with these lemon shortbread cookies and i said to you before we hit the record button these respectfully suck out loud so yes and i think a lot of the new flavors of girl i mean the the outside of thin mints for me i mean i know tagalongs people like them not really a fan of any girl scout cookies i'm gonna be honest with you oreos oreos over girl scout cookies it's just better it's just i get it the money's not going to i guess a good cause i don't even know if that money goes to a good cause yeah, you're you're big cookie. You feed into big cookie. I don't yes. feed into big cookie. I'm I'm all about the mom and pop. And we had this conversation right before we hit the record button. Um, you know, I I think thin mints in the freezer are unmatched. And you brought up a great point. You said, but you got to work for that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you don't have to work for the Oreo. So that's a conversation for another time. I think. I think it's a longer podcast than this one's going to be. Even though we have a pretty exciting topic, which is. Start your franchise, something I kind of stumbled on with Arm last week, where it was, you know, which shortstop would you start your franchise with? And honestly, I probably shouldn't have included Jeremy Pena in that conversation. So this time we're limiting to three players because that also fits what we have in center field. The next most premium position is shortstop. You got Julio Rodriguez, you got Michael Harris, and then you got Corbin Carroll. As I was writing an article today, that will be published the same time this this uh, video podcast and audio podcast is. I found myself just really fascinated by kind of the, the different story arcs for each of these guys. J-Rod, as I wrote in the article, he just had a season that writes like a script of a Disney movie. I yeah. mean, first you have the, the debut video or, or the promotion video or, hey, we're not going to service time manipulate you. And everyone's like, yeah, Seattle, <laughs> you're so brave. You're so brave to call it the guy that's clearly ready. And he actually wasn't ready in that first month. But then from May on, he's unbelievable. He gets the generational wealth contract before the season ends. He breaks the playoff drought, wins the rookie of the year, and it's incredible. But then you go to Michael Harris, and none of us were expecting to potentially even see him, you know, going from double A to the big leagues. He has his own little story where it's the Braves are bad. He comes up and well, they weren't bad, but they were a 500 team. He comes up to the best team in baseball. He's unbelievable. He wins rookie of the year. And then we got Corbin Carroll. We just don't know exactly what he's going to be yet. So I want to start with J-Rod because it's kind of the clear cut answer, right? Is there any anything that can be said today that would talk you off taking Julio Rodriguez if you were a GM and you're starting a franchise with one center fielder tomorrow? Answer to that, I think, is no. And, um, you know, I first of all, I have been bamboozled. I agreed to coming on who's better, the Oakland A's or the Washington Nationals, but I'm fine with this topic. Um, yeah, I, I'd say very short answer is no. There's nothing that you will say that will move me off Julio because of how good we saw him be in areas that we weren't expecting him to be that good at. We knew that he was going to hit the crap out of the ball. And a 146 WRC+, plus and 28 homers and 75 driven in speaks to that. What we didn't know was going to happen was 25 stolen bases. 
<laughs> or how about elite defensive metrics in center field, a position that he agreed to play in spring training because that could have been the opening for Julio. So the way he passed each smaller test with flying colors, I think puts him leaps and bounds uh, over the other two. But I, I think that the other two are fantastic options. Yeah, I think that when we really get into this conversation, it's it's as much about who to start your franchise with and also about how the center field position, which has been pretty weak behind Mike Trout for some time, is getting a lot deeper with these guys. And, yep. you know, I think a lot of the article just kind of turned into me almost thinking about who could be the next Trout or who can push Trout a little bit for that top spot that he's held on to since his debut. And you look at what J-Rod did from May 1st on offensively, it's a 297 average, 355 on base, 550 slug. His weighted runs created plus was 161. Freddie Freeman hit 329 during that span, had an OBP over 400, but because he doesn't slug the way J-Rod does, his WRC plus was 160. He was a yeah. top five hitter in baseball for five months of the season as a 21-year-old rookie. You can't make it up, man. Like you can't make up what he did at the level in which he did it for a team that made the postseason for the first time in what 20 plus years. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like Freddie was on a team that I think everybody knew was going to win a hundred games. What did people know about Seattle? That they were young, exciting, and that they had a shot at breaking a long postseason drought. But how do you get there? You get there by Jared Kalnick hitting 160? No. No, man, you don't get to the spot that they get to without this 21-year-old coming up and playing MVP caliber baseball for five months. Yeah, that's that's exactly how they break the drought. And, and without him, there's no way they would have done it. You know, They needed that production. Look at the rest of the outfield. And where else were they finding really any production for a lot of the year until Hanniger came back? I mean, that's the thing, man. Hanniger was fine. Haggerty was fine. Dylan Moore was fine. But you need a Julio Rodriguez if all those guys are going to be fine. And, and now they have Tasker Hernandez to help a little bit. But still, it's the J-Rod show. And last year, they needed the J-Rod show. They, they absolutely needed it. And, you know, overall, again, no one's really going to look at this exercise and pick anyone but J-Rod. But then I, I do look at the comparative you know, sample size we got from these guys. And obviously, J-Rod had the struggles at the big league level in the beginning, but then you go to Michael Harris who, you know, tears the cover off the ball in double a, they need him. They call him up. You look from May 1st on for J rod and from his debut on for Harris, you have about the same amount of plate appearances, 479 for J rod, 441 for Harris. They hit an identical 297. Harris was a 339 on base compared to that 355 on base. He slugged 514, not 550, but 514, and that's without having any real learning curve. His learning curve maybe came at the end of his rookie season instead of the beginning for Harris. He still hit 19 homers. He still swiped 20 bags. And he put up a 136 WRC plus while playing gold glove defense in center. He put up a 4.8 F4 as a rookie. J-Rod 5.3. It's not like these two guys were drastically different this year. So Michael Harris, I, I said, I think I was texting this to Aaron, but if you throw the contract in, I might take Harris because his contract is so team friendly. I might say, shit, eight years, 72 million. Uh, I'll build a team around that instead of having to build a team around a guy like Jared who's getting paid closer to, to being a star level player. 
Yeah, I mean, J-Rod, I think the base of what he will make is just over $200 million, but with Escalators, it can get to like $470 million yeah. over like 12, 13 years. So this can be a crazy lucrative contract. Uh, unfortunately for Michael Harris, even though I'm sure he's very happy to secure generational wealth in this way, just not to the J-Rod level, but unfortunately for Harris... He can't get that, even with all the escalators. And, you know, it's not likely that J-Rod hits all the escalators, but it's not impossible that he doesn't hit all the escalators because we think there are multiple MVPs in his future. I think that Michael Harris will probably provide better bang for your buck for the Atlanta Braves than Julio Rodriguez will for the Seattle Mariners, just because the price of the buck is so high in Seattle. You mentioned the 4.8 F4 compared to 5.3 for Julio. Michael Harris did it in, what, 18 fewer games, 20 fewer games. Tells you how good the defense is because the WRC plus comparable, right? Michael Harris was 136, Julio 146. Julio Rodriguez is a really good defensive center fielder. Michael Harris might already be the best defensive center fielder in baseball. Defense helps you mightily. And that's something that you're never going to worry about with Michael Harris. Now, there is one thing that is holding him back, that I think if he does correct this, this becomes a much, much more interesting conversation. That's walking. He walked 4.8% of the time. He hit 297, but he had a 340 OBP. Julio Rodriguez, again, 284, but with a 345 OBP. Let's look at that. That's a 65-point jump. Michael Harris is looking at a 40-point jump. If Michael Harris can walk just a little bit more and turn that jump from batting average to OBP to like a 65 to 70 point jump, and he's a 360 OBP guy, I mean, dude, we're looking at probably close to identical WRC pluses. And Michael Harris is probably the better defender. And he might steal more bags. Yeah. I think he might be more aggressive to steal bags where a guy like J-Rod that has the power that he does, maybe also the more he kind of gains his star stats, he might be a little more hesitant to, to go run in the way I think Harris might. Yeah. The, the fact is, Michael Harris, we've talked about it before, I'm sure, in plenty of places. The floor is so freaking high because of that glove, like you said, where you know he's pretty much almost a guarantee to be a four-win player every single year with the glove. And then there's going to be seasons, like I said in the article, if he taps into 30-30 upside, which – I think is there for him. I think it's in the tank that he'll have some 30, 30 seasons. You know, there's going to be years where he's really good. I think if we look at the next decade, like J rod's going to be atop our list more times than not. And J rod is going to put up maybe a better season, like seven or eight times out of 10, but there's going to be a year where Michael Harris gets him, And Michael Harris finishes with the higher F word, because if he is comparable with the bat, he's going to bring, I think more value with the glove. Yes, a hundred percent. I think that's a great point you make about the 30-30 threat that Harris is. Yeah. He is a threat to reach that once or twice. Mm-hmm. Julio's a threat to reach that every year for the next 15 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that that's the big difference there, where Harris is probably 2020, 25-25 versus Julio was 28-25 as a 21-year-old. Yeah. That's the difference, I mean, and, and and that's why you pick your, you pick J Rod to start your franchise. But where this conversation gets really interesting is if you're a second, if if we're we're drafting, we're 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 both GMs, and I had the first pick, and I pick J Rod, 
Now you got to decide Michael Harris or Corbin Carroll with Corbin Carroll. You're thinking, all right, well, it's all upside. You haven't seen him yet, but he was in a similar position or he is in a similar position that Jerry Rod was in, except for we also got a teaser of him actually succeeding at the big league level. 130 WRC plus as a rookie. Now he goes for a full season. When I, when I wrote the article too, I I speak about how each of these guys has a differentiating factor for J rod. It's the power for Harris. It's the defense for Carroll. It's the speed. If you haven't watched Corbin Carroll run, there's no one more exciting to watch in baseball now that he's up. Yes, uh, I'm totally with you. I will say that Carroll also has another differentiator for him, and that's patience. Yeah. He he walked at a 7% clip over like 30 games last year at the major league level, right? It was uh, 32 games. He had a 7% walk rate. In AA and 58 games, he walked 15% of the time. Wow. 33 games in AAA, he walked 15% of the time. He's always going to walk. He's always going to get on base, and he's going to use that world-class speed. Wasn't he a 100th percentile in sprint speed? He was. Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking about the fastest guy in the game walking 15% of the time at the upper-level minor leagues. He's 5'10". He's got a small strike zone. And when you do put it in the strike zone, he can hit it out of the ballpark. He had over 20 homers in the minors, and he had four in 32 games this year. Um, I, I think that he can utilize his tools as well as J-Rod and Harris can. And that kind of leads me to an interesting question for you. That's a little more of a prospect guy than me. A lot of times you talk about outcomes, right? You talk about the most reasonable outcome for a prospect. And when you have a guy like Carroll and you think he's going to be a plus glove, going to be great on the bases, and we think he's going to hit, that's how you become a top overall prospect. But then you dream about the ceiling a little bit. Like what's the best outcome from Corbin Carroll? You said J-Rod has MVPs in his future. Does Corbin Carroll have MVPs in his future? Maybe. Like, I I think so. He's the number one prospect in the game, according to Aram, um, in our Just Baseball Top 100. And when the 2023 preseason Top 100 comes out, I assume Carroll's going to be number one again. I don't know what Gunnar Henderson could do during the offseason to jump Corbin Carroll. But, man, I mean, I think that there could be some MVPs here. Um, What I will say is, I think that Carroll is going to be roll out of bed and grab five and a half wins. You know what I mean? Like the defense is good. The speed is always there. He's going to walk enough to like cater to the F4 thing, the WRC plus thing. So I, I think that he has as high a floor as any of these three. Um, but, but the tantalizing ceiling of Julio Rodriguez I still think surpasses Carroll. Yeah, because the power. I mean, there's a chance that J-Rod has a season where he hits 45, 50 home runs. With everything yeah, and like Carroll can't do that. Carroll's max is probably like 25, which is awesome, like yeah. great, but it's not 40 with 35 bags. So with that upside, I'm now curious, would you lean Carroll over Harris, despite the fact that, again, I remind you, Michael Harris as this underdog that kind of came out of nowhere – Put up a five-win season as a rookie, basically. Yeah. In 114 games. Do you want the safe answer or my answer? I want your answer. I'm asking you the question. My answer is Harris because I like Harris's game a little bit more. Like, I I just made this point on the Just Baseball show a couple days ago. Like, walks are the single crappiest thing to experience during a baseball game. 
And I kind of love that Harris doesn't walk. I don't love it for like arbitration hearings and he won't have to deal with that. Thank goodness. Um, I, I don't love it for like the WRC plus and, and the Woba type conversation with Harris. Um, but what I do love is this guy just plays a, a more aggressive, fun brand of baseball. Um, and, and I'm not saying that Carol's brand isn't fun. I'm just saying that there's a bit more downtime in Carol's experience versus Harris. It's, you show up to the ballpark and you're expecting some fireworks from Michael Harris with Corbin Carroll. You're going to look at him and say, wow, he's the best athlete on the field with Harris. It's he's the best showman on the field. This is awesome. He may put on a better show than Acuna some nights, which is yeah. a really hard thing to do because Acuna is one of the best showmen in all of baseball. That's why I go with Harris. You know, I, I started this exercise when I was first, pitching the topic to you guys and trying to make my decision being like, I want to find a way to make Michael Harris the pick because yeah. I love the defense so much and what he does out there. It's just amazing. And then the more that you look at j numbers and then the more that you kind of look at Carol's profile and I go back and I read what arm says about him. And then I watch some more videos of Carol. I think that the right pick is probably Carol at two. If you're a GM, I think you probably bank on a little more upside there. But damn it, if not, all three of these guys are incredible picks. And I think the that's the best part about it here is, is this position is getting so much better with, with the youth movement here. Can I tell you something real quick? Yeah. I think that we just talked about two of the future faces of baseball. When, you know, like if you consider Mike Trout the face of baseball right now, I understand. I think Otani is the face of baseball right now. Um I think, you know, Tatis, like if he didn't have that smudge, he would probably be in that conversation. And Tatis is still really young and Acuna is still really young and Soto is really young. But I think there's going to come a point when these guys are in like their late 20s that uh, Michael Harris and Julio Rodriguez are two of like the three or four faces of the game. He has the personality for it. Harris does. Obviously, J-Rod is J-Rod, but, you know, we've seen – you know, Michael Harris kind of cut it up a little bit with other players on Twitter. Like we could see him being pretty outspoken and yeah, anyone who watches his game, he definitely mm-hmm. has star written all over him. And, you know, I, I think when we, when Mike Trout kind of inevitably moves to a corner at some point, maybe he should soon. Uh, these guys are going to be the top three center fielders in baseball, I think. And I think it could stay like that for some time. Is there anyone else that's snubbed here as the, as the, I am a little more plugged into prospects. Is there a center fielder on the horizon be behind Carroll that could push his way into this conversation in the next couple of years? That's a great question, man. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess Drew Jones has some of that prospect intrigue, um, but I don't necessarily see it. Like he's so far away. Yeah. I've got such a soft spot for Zach Fien, but I think Zach Fien's a corner outfielder. Um Man, that, that's a good question. I don't think so. I think I think when you have to look at the the holy trinity of this of the future of center field, uh, you hit the nail on the head there. I, I think that's perfect. Now, I want to ask you a question before we wrap. Um, because I asked I asked Peter Apple this on the Just Baseball show. You know those like NBA anonymous GM surveys? Yeah. And, and they publish um all like the you know, results of like a big survey. They survey all 30 GMs in, in the NBA. And, um, you know, one of the one of the questions that always goes like mega viral is um, you're starting a franchise from scratch. Um, 
think of it as like a fantasy draft. No contracts are are negotiated. Like you're not taking anybody on on a five-year deal or a one-year deal. It's who do you want to start a franchise with? And the answer is like never LeBron, even though the answer is pretty much LeBron. Like he's the best player. It's not Durant either. When Giannis was early 20s, it, it was Giannis. Giannis may still get some votes, but recently it's been like, Luka Doncic or other young guys like that. I think Wembanyama is going to get some votes next year. Start a franchise from scratch. You're an anonymous major league general manager that I'm surveying. Is your answer Julio or is it somebody else? I mean, I think the easy answer is Shohei. Uh, But he's 28 and Julio's 21. Yeah, but, you know, it just kind of it's with Shohei – if you're running the franchise, there's so many other elements that come into Shohei beyond just what it does on the field. It's the fact that I'm sure he he probably ch- takes your bottom line and you're probably making way more money like uh, across the board. Like, There's a lot that comes with Shohei. So I feel like Shohei would probably be the answer if they did a GM poll around baseball. But if we kind of set him aside as this unicorn that we can never really fit in a proper bucket, it has to be J-Rod or Adley, I think, right now. Uh I think I'd probably lean J-Rod based on just the position and the volatility at catcher as far as injury. But I would be thinking about Adley for a little bit too, though, to be honest with you. I think I think that's right now, based on what we just saw last season, I think those are the two guys that I would think would come up the most. That's got to be the highest floor that anybody's seen from a prospect in recent memory, Adley Rutschman. And and yeah, I like, I'm with you. I think Adley's probably two, but I, I think I'm going with Julio one. Well, you just spoiled the answer for the future podcast because I have been thinking, start your franchise, J-Rod or Adley. So you're out. You're out. Someone else. I'm out. I'm gone. Somebody else. Someone else has to answer that question uh, at a later date. But I appreciate you coming on Debating Center Fields with me. You wrote top 10 center fielders that had all three of these guys on your list or our list, really. Uh, and, uh, of course, Jazz Chisholm was was brutally snubbed, apparently. Uh, <laughs> we, we, made, we made that mistake. I don't think, no, if we did, honestly, watching some TBD. early. I'm very happy that he's a TBD on I that. I think it was perfect the way we have it. To be determined, yeah. because what he's currently determining is he might not be in center field for long, but it's <laughs> spring training. So you never know. Uh, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Check out Show & Go, Jack's podcast with Taylor Davis. Just Baseball Show, the call-up, all that good stuff, and all the written content at JustBaseball.com.